everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. As always, I am your host, Gene Ross, joined by my good pal, Josh Julie. Josh, how are we doing today? Uh, doing good, man. Happy belated fourth. And, uh, you know, I hope we can come up with some content for this week's episode. I don't really know what we're going to talk about. Yeah, it's been tough. There's been absolutely nothing that's gone on since we talked to you guys last, so uh, that's our episode, and we'll see you next week. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, um, outside of the 4th of July fireworks that were aplenty, there was a bunch of Ohio State fireworks in the recruiting world, as well as a bunch of fireworks in the college football world as a whole. Uh, since we last spoke, we saw the introduction of the NIL rules go into effect across the college sports landscape, and with it became a frenzy of different deals and all other ways that these players are starting to look to make money now we saw you know miscellaneous small companies i saw like you know a bunch of ohio state players are doing like go puff ads i saw some guys hopping on cameo some guys hopping on twitch and so everyone's really trying to make the most of this i don't think anybody really knows how to traverse these waters just yet as this is a brand new concept to everyone but it's been really interesting and it was it was a pretty crazy week on social media to say the least yeah and i think this is kind of what happens when the ncaa gets pushed into a corner and they sort of wait until the last minute. You know, I think the deadline was last Thursday and Wednesday afternoon. They were like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to allow all this NIL stuff to take place. And so there was a lot of education missed beforehand, I think so, I think. And so, you know, it makes me feel even better that Ohio State has a program in place to educate and assist players on all of the NIL rules and regulations, but um, I, it seems like a circus atmosphere so far is the best way I can describe it. You see guys like Derek King coming out and saying he got, or it has come out that he got about like a $20,000 deal from a moving company. You know, like I don't see what the return on investment is for something like that for the company and the Percy Miller deal which was supposedly $2 million for a kid going to play basketball at Tennessee State. So it, it seems like the wild, wild west, and hopefully it starts to level off as people become familiar with it, become comfortable with all the, the rules and things in place. Yeah, and, and for what it's worth, you know, Ohio State has seemed to really been getting out ahead of this. They've done a bunch of stuff in terms of, you know, having these miscellaneous presentations and stuff just like different ways to try to educate these athletes on all the ways that like they can make money now and all the different rules and regulations and stuff because you know I, I do worry that the pendulum will swing too far and you know we worried all these years about how players were getting you know they were getting taken advantage of by the NCA by basically providing free labor for all these years but now I'm worried that we go too far in the other direction yeah. and players start getting taken advantage of from companies that because these players don't really know you know, they don't really know what they're doing. They don't have agents. Like, they can't, like, hire people to, like, get this stuff done for them, or at least I don't think they can under the current system. So it's really going to be interesting to see how this plays out moving forward. And I do hope that, like, Ohio State continues to educate these these athletes. They have systems in place to make sure that that kind of stuff doesn't happen and that these guys can just, you know, make the most money they can while they're in college and, and after that and just all the power to them. And, you know, we want to see these guys flourish on the field and off of it. Yeah, you know, I was trying to read up on it the best I could. I think that athletes can sign with agencies, but to what extent the agencies can do for them, I just don't know. And anything on my end would be speculation. So hopefully they're picking the right people to surround themselves with and do their, their business with because that's what they're doing now is personal business. And I'm with you. I, I hope that there aren't too many kids that are going to be taking advantage of this. You know, 
companies aren't going to hand out money for no reason. They expect to see benefits from it. So they're going to be expecting stuff from these kids. And, you know, I look at it like a 20-year-old college athlete is not a, a spokesperson. They're not familiar with it. They've never done it before. They just have a big social media following. And people know who they are because of the sport they play or the notoriety they have there. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I think the education has to be top notch if these kids are really going to be successful and do the right things. Otherwise, they're going to get roped into some really bad deals. And you'd hate to see, like you said, the pendulum swing the other way where they're being taken advantage of by, you know, Joe's Crab Shack or whatever it is, roping them into these. Uh, unfavorable deals that kind of back them into a, a bad position. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I kind of, I really like the guys that are going to like the, the cameo and the Twitch route, at least to start, just because yeah, like that's, that seems safe. that's super easy. You're kind of just, yeah, that's it's very safe. Like you're making your money on your own time. Like you're doing what you want to do when you want to do it. So that, that seems like a pretty, you know, straightforward transaction of services that like can be completed and there's no like contracts you have to sign or anything like that. So I like that kind of stuff. And I do think we'll start to see, you know, a lot of this frenzy of information and different sponsorships and stuff really slow down as time goes. I think a lot of Last week was just, you know, it was a new thing. A lot of the smaller companies trying to take advantage of really the hype of, you know, the NIL stuff. Like, I don't know how much, like, money they're actually spending towards these athletes, but I think it's it's a very big return on investment for them this past week just to, like, get your name out there and be like, oh, company X, you know, sponsored a guy on day one or whatever. So, like, it's just, I think a lot of that was what was going on. So, I think we'll see it slow down a bit, but we will continue to see, you know, different different brand endorsements, all that kind of stuff, and hopefully it all works out there. Um, but on a more, I mean, that's a positive note. The NIL stuff is obviously great, and we want to see that go well. But on a more positive note, specifically for Ohio State fans, was a booming weekend in recruiting. Uh, the long, long-awaited recruitment of JT Tuimaloao has finally come to an end, and he is now a Buckeye. Josh, what were your first impressions upon seeing that news this weekend? Um, I, I was really excited. You know, I was checking my phone, checking Twitter and everything to see what he was going to do at 4 o'clock on Saturday, yesterday. Um, long weekend, I don't know. But um, so obviously excited. I think that it's really just the cherry on top of an already amazing class. Um, we wanted JTT. He makes our class better, makes it historic in a sense, but it was already a great class with a ton of great athletes and a ton of great kids coming in. So this just makes it that much better. Uh, I love that we got him away from Alabama, although he wasn't, he didn't end up considering them as one of his final choices, but I think it's going to be a truly special class. And what I like the most is the totality of it. It's not just JTT and Jack Sawyer on the defensive line. You know, we got a five-star quarterback in Kyle McCord, running back in Travion Henderson, all the wide receiver talent. We've got Donovan Jackson. He's a five-star along the offensive line. And the DBs, we really brought in some good depth there, some high potential guys like Jordan Hancock and, and whomever. But I think it's going to be truly special. I hope that these guys can get in and develop the right way. They are potentially going to be together for at least three years. And if you just look at all the numbers, you know, they came in at a 94.76, which is the highest like aggregate ranking that Ohio State has ever had. It's still behind Alabama, which is just insane if you think about it. Um, first time that five top 10, 24-7 guys have committed in the same class. 
They've now brought in more five stars than the rest of the Big Ten combined in the last decade. So Ohio State just continues to elevate itself above the rest of the competition in the Big in the Big Ten. And so, um, yeah, nothing but good news. I will say that I thought when Kelvin Banks moved up his commitment to July 4th, and it was like an hour before JTT, he committed to Oregon. And so there was a part of me that thought maybe these guys had talked behind the scenes and it was going to be some sort of combo deal, and he, he may have chosen Oregon. I, I really thought that it was um, an option for him, obviously, and I thought that there was a good chance it happened. I was glad to see it swing our way. Yeah, definitely. That was a legit concern this weekend when there was that other five-star commitment to Oregon. But nonetheless, he has chosen Ohio State, and like you said, it's not just – the JTT news, it's the whole what the whole class represents. Ryan Day took the, the recruiting machine that Urban Meyer had built at Ohio State and he's somehow taken it to the next level. It's one of the it's the best class Ohio State's ever had. The combination of uh, JTT and Jack Sawyer, the top two defensive ends in the class, is just something that doesn't happen every year, and it's going to be absurd to watch those guys play next to each other and learn under Larry Johnson. Speaking of which, Larry Johnson uh, deserves a statue in Columbus yeah. and wherever he wants it because he is just incredible. What he's been able to do for Ohio State over the years and now specifically in this last class, uh, as we talked about, I think, last week, Larry Johnson is a big reason why uh, JTT was even considering Ohio State. You know, his other four schools were all on the West Coast. Clearly, staying close to home was something that was important to him. But in the end, uh, the, the recruiting chops of Larry Johnson and just his track record, what he's been able to do for these guys. JTT clearly saw that as an opportunity for himself to get himself in the league and to play on the biggest stage and play for national championships. And so hats off to Larry Johnson, this recruitment. It was awesome. And then, yeah, like you said, you know, there's a lot of good stuff coming in this class. we got more, more wide receiver talent, more corners, more linebackers, all this good stuff. The 2021 class is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, it, it looks like momentum is, is currently building for 2022 to to match that level somehow, which seems impossible given how good this class is. But now on Monday, uh, we saw a, a, yet another recruit, uh, commitment for Ohio State in four-star wide receiver Kojo Antwi, which is now the fourth wide receiver that Ohio State has in this class, which is a little shocking considering the amount of guys they brought in in the last two classes. But at this point, Brian Hartline is just going around the country and handpicking guys that he wants to play at Ohio State, and it's it's ridiculous to watch. Yeah, he's kind of got a blank check, it seems like, um, in the best way that he can just, like you said, go and handpick the talent that he identifies as the best and a good fit for Ohio State. Um, you know, we, And we went and we stole Kojo out of SEC country, essentially. He's a Georgia kid, 6'1", 180. He's more of a... I guess a Paris Campbell type in, in like the kind of mold that he fits and the body type that he has the, the knock that I've seen on him, at least, you know, reading certain outlets and different outlets online, I've seen some knocks against his track speed, but I, I think the track speed can be a term that's thrown out and it's, I, I, I want to say overvalued. It's obviously important. It can set guys apart, but Track speed, it doesn't mean you can get open. It doesn't mean you can catch the ball. You know, you look at some of the most successful guys in the NFL. I jotted down a couple notes about guys who they're not the 4-3-4-4 Blazers. You know, Devontae Adams is a footwork guy. Keenan Allen runs incredible routes. Nuck Hopkins for Arizona just has an otherworldly ability to separate and high point jump balls. So, 
The fact that he's been knocked by some for his track speed, that's not a concern to me. Brian Hartline identified him as, you know, being above the rest and kind of standing out in a really great group. So I think that he will fit in just fine and just add to the insane level of talent that Ohio State has in the wide receiver room. Yeah, for sure. And if this was a guy that Brian Hartline didn't believe in, he wouldn't have gone out of his way to add a fourth wide receiver in this class. And, you know, Kojo was a kid that at one point looked like he was like on the verge of eliminating Ohio State because they had just brought in, you know, Caleb Byrne, Kion Grace. It's already a pretty, pretty deep wide receiver room at Ohio State and a deep class of wide receivers. And then on top of that, Caleb Brown committed uh, at the beginning of June. So the, the room is getting crowded and it looked like Kojo is going to lean more towards Georgia, where he's from, or somewhere else in the country. But in the end, you know, Brian Hartline, uh, whatever, he, he worked his magic. He got him to join this this studded group as well. And now, you know, after, you know, two classes ago when he, he brought in four top 100 receivers, he now brings in uh, four top 150 receivers. And it's a couple of guys that, you know, keep rising. Uh, Caleb Byrne is a guy that, that could compete to be the number one receiver in this class as a five-star guy. Uh, Caleb Brown is a top five wide receiver as a four-star. Kojo Antwi is right behind him, another four-star. And then you have Kion Grays, who has been just steadily climbing up the, the uh, recruiting boards ever since he committed to Ohio State. Uh, he just had a really big showing at the Elite 11 a little while ago, so his stock will likely continue to rise. So it really is impressive what Brian Harline's doing. And like, you know, the, on top of what Ryan Day does as a recruiter and what he does for the Ohio State football team, the staff that he's been able to, you know, keep around him and put around him uh, is really key to all this success. You know, we talk about Larry Johnson. We talk about Brian Hartline. Uh, Corey Dennis looks like he's been he's been doing a good job in the quarterback room. He was able to hold on to Quinn Ewers, and so you know it, it's not it's a it's a team effort just as it is on the field with the coaching staff and recruiting. And it's it's good to see all of the pieces working together for Ohio State and just how successful they've been. They're on just pretty much an unprecedented run of recruiting right now, and hopefully it, it continues to to be in hyperdrive. Yeah, you know, you think back a couple of years and. A lot of people thought that that 2015 class with Zeke Elliott and Joey Bosa and JT Barrett, a favorite of mine, a lot of people thought that that would never be topped. And those guys, a couple of them have become like transcendent NFL superstars. But then we went and did it again in 2017 with Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, J.K. Dobbins, and they came in at like a 94.59 aggregate rating. And now with JTT joining for 2021, they've topped it yet again, just barely. So they just, they keep building this juggernaut and it's continuing to set them apart from the rest of the Big Ten. I know they have to be pretty butthurt about it, but we're happy here. Um, You know, I want to go back to JTT a little bit. I want to get your opinion on this. What what's kind of your uh, what do you see happening between JTT and Jack Sawyer? You know, those are the two big names on the defensive line. And I feel like Jack Sawyer almost became a little bit of an afterthought because everyone was chasing JTT. He put out his final four. The staff went and saw him at the airport. But Jack Sawyer, you know, he wanted to be a Buckeye in the womb. He's a local kid. He was, I think, the number one recruit previous to last year, and then he didn't play, so that probably obviously dropped him a little bit. But he's also been with the program now since January, learning the team, the schemes, working on his body, obviously. So 
What do you see happening between those two guys? Like, who do you think has the higher upside? Or do you think they're just going to be some dynamic duo that wrecks shop for the next two to three years? Yeah, I, I think we could, we have a chance of really seeing something that we haven't seen in Columbus in a long time. And that's having two elite defensive ends at the same time. You know, Ohio State, the last couple of years, you know, they had they obviously had Chase Young and they had both Boses, but they were all kind of separated in their leaps to like their elite level. Like the Boses were kind of on different timelines. So was Nick Bosa and Chase Young then. And so it all kind of, it never really all was on the field at one time. And now you're going to have a situation where these two guys are going to be in Columbus for at least the next three years together. And, you know, from what we've heard uh, out of spring camp about Jack Sawyer, you know, I totally agree that he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit since all this JTT news is coming out. But at the same time, we've heard nothing but like fantastic stuff about Jack Sawyer. The coaches have absolutely raved about him in, in the little amount of time they've spent with him thus far. And I thought coming into this year that, you know, Jack Sawyer has a legitimate chance to get, you know, maybe he might not start to start the year, but he's going to get like important snaps for this team. He will probably be part of the Rushman package. And now if you think about it this year, you could see a Rushman package when they put out those four defensive ends. Think of a Rushman package of Tyreek Smith, uh, Jack Sawyer, uh, JTT, and uh, who am I forgetting? Who's the other, who's Zach the other Harrison. End? Zach Harrison. How did I forget Zach Harrison? So you, have, you have all those five-star talents out there all in the field at once. Think of the pass rush Ohio State is actually going to have, which is something that they, they were lacking a bit last year in, in a weird COVID season. So I think we're, we're in for really big things. I don't know if they'll look to throw those guys into the fire right away and like make them the, the starting rushman package to begin the year. But I think by year's end, if this is a playoff team and they're looking to, you know, put the best players on the field, you will see those four guys on the field at once. And it's going to be a, a, a sight to see. Yeah. I think JTT has got the kind of body type where you can easily move him inside. You know, he's already 280 pounds. A lot of guys don't come to Ohio state and get smaller. They get bigger and stronger. So He's kind of got more of the Cam Hayward body type where he can play on the interior line. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised ultimately if that's where he sort of makes his home is inside because he could easily get to 290, even 300 pounds. And he's already a freak athlete. You know, I think maybe we'll touch on him potentially playing basketball. So he's obviously a unique athlete who played on the offensive side of the ball in high school. So he's got a skill set for, you know, a well-rounded skill set. So like you said, they've got these sort of different body types and these different guys now that they can spread out across the line and come at you from a million different angles. So, um, you know, just hitting on the two, I'll come out and say it right now. I think that Jack Sawyer, if they play the same amount of time and everything, I think he could be the one that puts up more of the, how do I want to say it, sexy stats. I think that he is a pure pass rusher, whereas JTT can do a little bit of everything. And he may have, he may not have the same number of sacks, but he could still have an incredible impact on the game and on the defense as a whole. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'd love, I'd love to see it either way. Um, I, I do think at one point, I want to say that JTT was listed as a defensive tackle, like really early in his recruitment. I could be wrong on that, but I, I do. I, I feel like I remember him originally being a defensive tackle, so it wouldn't be shocking to see him play a little bit on the inside. But as we talked about, you know, the, the Rushman package has four defensive ends out at once. So you will have two defensive ends on the inside, so I imagine he will be 
one of the guys on the interior in that sense because he is a, a bigger dude. But uh, I, I think primarily he will he'll stay at the end. I, you know, Ohio State kind of likes to move those guys around early in their careers, kind of get them a feel for the line, see what they're good at. So you do see you know D tackles move to end and end move to D tackle occasionally. But I do think those guys both end up at ends, and I do think you know by next year they'll both be your your starting defensive ends at Ohio State. As you, as you brought up, just getting on to uh, some basketball stuff with, with JTT potentially playing some hoops. Uh, we got some another big, kind of a boom for Ohio State in a way, uh, on the basketball court this week when EJ Liddell announced that he is coming back to Ohio State. So, you know, I think we talked about Josh where early on our podcast that if, you know, if one of them left, we thought it would be EJ. But it was at, we were actually entirely wrong, and it was EJ coming back and Dwayne going off to the NBA. So kind of a shocking twist there, but obviously great to have EJ Liddell back in Columbus. Yeah, I think it's great news because EJ coming back, it still gives us a number one option. It gives us a top scorer, kind of an alpha guy, I'm sure. Or I hope that more of that comes out. Obviously, he got some feedback working out for NBA scouts and everything where he's got parts of his game that he needs to and I'm sure wants to work on. Hopefully one of those things is leadership and kind of that that pit bull mentality. I think we could see some more of that out of him, but it brings back more experience and I'm really excited about the front court now. It's going to be the same one we had last year, obviously, with some new additions that I think, you know, Joey Brunk will probably be a backup in my opinion and Zed Key will play some more, but the starting front court is presumably going to be EJ Liddell, Kyle Young, and Justice Suing. So those three guys up front, it's just going to give us a leg up that um, we, we otherwise wouldn't have had if we lost both those guys. So I see great things for the front court, and I hope that EJ can be a 15- to 20-point guy. I think that he really will be, and hopefully he elevates his game even more. I'm really, really excited to see him back. Yeah, I mean, he was arguably Ohio State's best player all year. No disrespect to, to Dwayne, but Dwayne kind of had – you know, he had stretches where he was the hottest player in the world, and then he had stretches where he was really struggling at times. But EJ was, I mean, EJ kind of, I feel like EJ a little bit at the end of the year was kind of uh, like tiring out from the season. And like, he just didn't really have, didn't really have his full energy at the end of the year to play to his fullest potential. But I think throughout the course of the year, he was a little bit more consistent. And if he like, you know, continues to improve on that, and like you said, become like a 15 to 20 point score for this team, which I definitely think he can, he was pretty close to that range last year anyway. And now he's going to have probably more, I don't know if there'll be more pressure on him to be a scorer, but he'll definitely have the rock in his hands more without Dwayne out there taking his shots. So, like you said, it's great to see. Uh, obviously, everyone loves EJ Liddell. There, he went through some tough stuff during the year. You know, bad fans. I wouldn't even call them fans; just bad people. Like you know, yeah. talking talking crap to him off the court. So it's glad to see that you know that didn't tarnish his view of Ohio State, and he knows that you know the ninety nine point nine percent of fans are fully on his side at all times. Even when you have a bad game, you know you're not. Doesn't make you a bad person because you had a bad basketball game. You know, Ohio State fans will support their guys through and through. And EJ Liddell is a guy that's much beloved by Buckeye Nation. I feel like he's been, you know, a good guy on and off the court. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited to have him back. That was kind of a shocking announcement, and that's kind of like a, a commitment in itself for Ohio State. And I'm, I'm sure Chris Holtman is is thrilled to have that back because to have to replace the scoring of both EJ and Dwayne would have been very, very tough. And you know, they do have uh, some some good freshmen coming in, but it it would have been it would have been close to impossible to really have a a top five, top ten basketball team with losing like 40 points a game from your previous year. Yeah, that would have been a huge detriment. Um, so 
EJ by default becomes the number one option. Now, the million-dollar question is, is he going to be playing in the front court with JTT? Um, you know, we didn't touch on it yet, but what do you see happening there? Do you think that there's any realistic possibility? Well, I'm sure there's a realistic possibility, but what do you think the odds are of a guy like EJ Liddell, Kyle Young, those guys playing in a front court with JTT now that he, it's been rumored that he's going to come to Ohio State and play two sports, or at least try to? Yeah, and you know, it, it, he said that he's he had conversations about it with the Ohio State staff. Um, they didn't entirely shoot it down. You know, in his commitment picture, he tweeted out in his graphic, he had himself in an Ohio State basketball jersey in one of the pictures. So it is something he's interested in. I just I, I don't really know how realistic it is. I just think it's tough, especially because like at a certain point in the year, the basketball and football seasons are going to overlap. And so, like, there's going to be times where, like, you have to go to a practice and you're going to have to choose between the two. And I just don't, especially when you're trying to, like, play football in the Big Ten and basketball. Basketball in the Big Ten is so physical. And, like, I wouldn't want him getting hurt on the basketball court and ruining his football season, you know. So, like, I just don't. I, the coaches are definitely going to have to sit down with him and see, you know, what his thoughts are and how how important this is to him that he plays both. Because, like, I, I think just in high school it's a lot easier to play two sports because like the seasons don't usually overlap and like it's just it's a lot it's high school sports are a lot less you know i'm not gonna say less physical but it's a lot less serious than it is in college um you know they're not there's a billion dollar industry when you're doing it in in high school so i don't think that they're gonna want to potentially lose one of their top defensive ends on the basketball court when he's like they they don't want to risk injury your the risk of injury drastically increases playing two sports versus one you're almost doubling your chance of getting hurt so it's just it's gonna be tough i'd love to see him try to do it like it would be really cool to see like jtt like get three sacks on a saturday and then show up to the court on tuesday and drop 25 but i i just don't know how like if that can actually be done in like college athletics i don't know if there's a player that's done it i don't know of any off the top of my head but i mean i'm sure it's been done right yeah, I mean, Ohio State has had a couple of guys who, I guess, dabbled. Nate Sally is probably the most recent one I can think of, but he was a DB and a guard for the basketball team, and he didn't play a lot for the basketball team. I think like half a season, limited minutes. Um, you know, Ricky Dudley, almost about 20 years ago now, was actually pretty successful doing both. And that may be your best comp. I mean, I wrote about Ricky Dudley in a Forgotten Buckeyes piece. He was, you know, pardon my French, a brick you-know-what house. He was um, a tight end for the Ohio State football team, and he actually went back to it. He was a football guy and a basketball guy, went to Ohio State to play basketball, and then went back to football and did uh, both at the same time. But he was just a physical freak and it took him a while. He ended up becoming a pretty good basketball player by his senior year. I think he was like a 13 and eight sort of guy. But when he returned to the football field, his junior year, he had like, I don't know, five or six catches, nothing great. Broke out as a senior, but he had time to sort of grow into that. He didn't excel in both as a freshman. And so That'll be interesting to me is what's JTT's time frame for trying to play both. If he tries to do it right away, I honestly don't see him being very successful at one or the other. I think it's just too much to get used to and adapt to, especially physically as an 18, 19-year-old kid. So 
and just his body type. I mean, you don't see any or many 6'5", 280-pound basketball players. Unless he can jump like Zion, there are you know few and far between as far as examples go. So I, I'm with you. I think that at some point, somebody or some buddies will be in his ear saying, hey, you know, you're – you're a hell of a football player. You were the best recruit in the country, arguably. That's where your bread is proverbially going to be buttered. And so I think they're going to give him a chance. You know, um, I think Matt said if JTT wants to play basketball, you let JTT play basketball. But it, I think it's going to take time, and they have to do it the right way, and they have to make sure that they're taking care of him and kind of holding him back against his best wishes on occasion if he wants to just jump out of the gates and try and be wildly successful at both. I think it's a huge hurdle. And uh, again, I, there are going to be people telling him he needs to choose football and stick with football. So we'll see. We'll see. But I, I don't love the prospects, at least right away. I think it's going to take time if it happens at all. Yeah, you know, I, I wish him the best. We both do. Obviously, we, we want to see him succeed. And if he's able to play both, it would be really cool to see it be done. I think, you know, it would be interesting if they did something like how uh, like Michi Johnson joined the team late last year because he wasn't able to uh, graduate early from his high school, and then he joined the team in like January. It'd be interesting to see if they had him. You know, they they have they could he could go to practice and stuff, and maybe he hangs out on the bench sometimes at the basketball games, but maybe he doesn't actually you know play real minutes until Ohio State's football season is over in in hopefully January when they play in a national title game. Um, so I, that it'd be interesting to see something like that because that's like there's still a lot of basketball to be played after that, as, and including you know the postseason tournament, obviously. So to get another like fresh, no, I wouldn't say fresh because of football, but you know another live body on the court to add to your roster, depending on how good the team is and like where your needs are, I think that could be an interesting scenario. That maybe he's not playing both at the same time, but you know once one ends, he's able to convert to the other. But I do, like I said, the body type is is interesting because like the, you work out differently for basketball than you do for football you know football is a lot of strength and a lot of like that kind of stuff whereas basketball is a lot of like agility and like stamina and all that kind of stuff and both of those things cross over and are important in both sports but I just feel like the the intensity you put into different kinds of workouts is different depending on what you play so that would be another thing that would be a concern for me at least in that idea yeah those are two great points the one you bring up about just the timing of it if he could come and join the team later in the season that would be great and the transitional skill sets and the things that they work on, they are very different, like you said, but it could be a benefit to him to have more flexibility and explosiveness that he's working on post-football. I just hope that if it happens, they have to keep him away from Kyle Young in practice. Kyle Young is one of the most physical basketball players I've seen come through Ohio State in a long time, and he tends to pay for it. You know, he puts his body on the line, he gets elbowed, he gets concussions, he gets things like that. So that is not a good recipe for success for the Ohio State basketball team to let a young bull like JTT at 6'5", 280, bang in the paint and play down low against Kyle Young. So that's that's the last thing I'd want to see. That needs to be off limits by Chris Holtman, I think. Yeah, that that's a that's a funny concept to bring up. I didn't think of the fact I, I was thinking about JTT getting hurt. I wasn't thinking of the fact of JTT hurting other people, but <laughs> it is a legitimate concern because he is a large dude. And I'm sure, you know, I think he is like actually really, really good at basketball. I know he was a lot of the other schools he was looking at also had offered him basketball scholarships, so I think he is actually like legitimately 
uh, like D1 worthy. So I'm sure that's not an issue, but you know, we'll see. It'll be a, it'll be a cool thing to look at. It'll be another fun story in the off season. I'm sure that as that's going on and he's having these conversations with the different coaches and just, you know, teammates and stuff, what they think he'll have a lot of opinions and up uh, at the end of the day, it'll, it'll be his own decision to make unless the coaches say no, but I doubt they would do that. Cause I'm sure they, like he said, he's had, he had conversations with Ryan day and Chris Holman about this stuff already. So they're aware that it's something he wants to do. And if he could do it, let him do it. It'll be, it'll be fun. Um, but yeah, I think other than that, I think that's pretty much our episodes that you got anything else for us, Josh, or are you good? Or you just, we're going to enjoy the rest of our, our observed July 4th on this fine Monday. Yeah. You know, I might sit back with another adult beverage or so and, and watch some baseball. It's about the only thing going on right now, but just a really great weekend for Ohio state. You know, when it comes to football recruiting extended weekend, I should say the football recruiting piece of it to get JTT and Kojo in here is really great for the program. And then on the other hand, other side of things, to hear that EJ is going to come back and play for the basketball team. It's one of those things where outside of the, the results of the game itself, this is about as good a weekend as you can have from an Ohio State standpoint and as far as their sports teams are concerned. So nothing but uh, good things and positive vibes over here. Definitely. And we've had, you know, we have lots of content over at Land Grant Holy Land for you guys to check out. We got commitment pieces for both Kojo and we and for JT Tweemaloao. Uh, we had a rapid reaction podcast with Matt and Caleb talking about JTT's commitment. So you could go check that out as well on the Dotted Line podcast. That's going to be it for us. So, you know, like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Download all that great stuff. Spotify, Apple Music, we're everywhere. You get your podcasts. And for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross, and we will see you next week.